We're going to be in our second sermon series in the book of Ephesians, if you want to turn there in your Bible. Man, isn't that exciting? So many people joining our church today. Man, praise the Lord. I'm pumped up about it. Let's pray before we uh, enter into the time of preaching. Dear Jesus, we thank you uh, for what you've already done so far in this service. God, I pray you continue to work. God, I pray you would uh, speak through me and use me, God. Uh, Lord, hide me uh, behind the cross, God, and uh, Lord, allow me to say the words that you would have me to say, God, and avoid the words that you would have me avoid. God, I pray you uh, soften our hearts, God, and, and open our ears uh, to what you would have for us this morning. In your name we pray, amen. How many of y'all have ever had a bad day? Raise your hand. All right. Today's a little bit like that for me. Not too bad, but it's nothing compared to a Sunday that I had about six months ago. And you know what it is. It's not anything that's like catastrophic, like one thing that happens. It's one of those days where back to back to back to back, thing just happens one after another. I'm going to warn you, I'm going to be a little bit transparent today. Okay? I'm not going to put on airs. Not like I normally do anyway, but uh, I'm, I'm going to just be real, uh, real with you this morning. There was one Sunday, like I said, probably about six months ago. Uh, it just seemed like nothing would go right for me that day. Late that Saturday night, I was rolling over just about. It was just that moment where I was like, all right, I'm, now it's the time. I'm going to go to sleep. And my phone fell off the side of my bed. And I was like, no. Right into a carpeted floor, right? I should be okay. There shouldn't be a problem with that, but no. Cracked screen, and not only did it crack screen, but also it was completely black. Like, it wouldn't even do anything. So being the man that I am, I got up out of bed at about 11.30 and went and tried to fix it. I Googled everything that I could Google on my computer, took it all apart, and uh, lo and behold, I'm not an expert technician in Apple uh, software and, and hardware. So I didn't get it fixed, but I did. Luckily, I stayed up for three hours trying to work on this thing. So it's 2.30 in the morning, and I have accomplished absolutely nothing. Well, the next morning, it was church, and I had to get there early to lead worship team practice. And uh, not only is my phone a phone, but it also is my alarm clock. So I was completely late. I had to skip my coffee Right? Oh, that's the worst part of this whole story, right? Had to skip my coffee for the morning. And so I get through worship practice. I go and teach Sunday school. And I get to uh, just take a minute and go to the bathroom to try and freshen up before I was going to go lead the congregational music. And my zipper won't go up. <laughs> Told you I was going to be real this morning. I was going to be transparent. The music is like playing, and Tori leads the choir at the church we were at before, and uh, so the music's coming on, and I'm going to go have to get up there on the stage. I don't have time to go home, and my zipper won't go up. So I prayed a real and a sincere prayer that God would heal my zipper. And God even answers little prayers. To this day, I haven't had another problem with those. I wore that suit yesterday for a wedding we did, and I was able to make it through that whole service modestly praise the lord and i don't know if you ever heard of somebody wearing their pants by faith but i did it that day 
And I'm not sure that'll get me into Hebrews 11, Hall of Faith and all that, but I'm okay. Praise the Lord. I made it through. That wasn't the rest of it. There was a lot of other little things. I lost the page of my notes before I was going to preach that night. And uh, some other things happened. The, the sound man wasn't there. And it was just a bad day. All from start to finish, bad. And you've probably had those days too. And that's just part of the human experience, right? It's okay. We're going to have some bad days. Well, this morning we're going to look at some people in the book of Ephesians that were having some rough days. They were facing persecution. They were living in a hostile environment, in a hostile culture. And they needed to be reminded of some things. And Paul is going to talk to them about what they should remember when they're going through these types of days. We talked about last week how the book of Ephesus is a letter from Paul written, uh, the book of Ephesians, is a letter from Paul written to Ephesus. And we talked about how it was not a Bible Belt type city. It wasn't even like a Clarksburg city where people knew God and they knew who Jesus was and all that kind of stuff. No, this is a place where there's 50 different temples to 50 different gods. So Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15 to the church of Ephesus. He says this, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith, in the Lord Jesus, and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Paul says, hey, you guys, I've heard about what God is doing in your church. I've heard about how much faith you have. I heard about how much you love each other, how you're all on the same team and you're all in unity. And Paul goes on to say, I thank God for that. How your testimony encourages me. It's unbelievably encouraging for a pastor to have all the people in unity focused on the mission. There's nothing like that. And Paul says, thank you. On the flip side of it, there's nothing like having a church be in discord. There's nothing like uh, so draining when all the members are focused on their agenda and on their best interest. But Paul says, hey, thank you. You're encouraging me by your faith and your love for each other. He goes on and tells them what he prays for them in verse 17. It says, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know, what are they supposed to know here? That they may know what is the hope to which he has called you and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Paul says, I have some things that I want you to see. My kids are always trying to show me stuff. And if you have had kids, then you know that that's true. Mommy, daddy, come over here and check this out. Look at this, look at this. They're excited to show me things and they want me to be excited about what they're excited about. And I'm the same way, though, with them. Tori and I saw a rainbow, I guess, about six months ago or so. And I remember running to get Chloe and say, hey, Chloe, look, it's a rainbow. Because I knew she would be excited about it. I wanted to show her. And Paul is excited to show the church of Ephesus some things. See, they were having a hard time. And he prays that God would give them the wisdom and the revelation so that they could see. And he prays that their spiritual eyes would be open. 
And the first thing that Paul wants them to see is hope. Hope. And that's biblical hope. Biblical hope means expectations, looking forward to. Hope is faith that points forward. It's not just a wish, like I wish that the Philadelphia Eagles win the Super Bowl. We all know that it's pretty far-fetched. I don't really have that much faith in it. You could say amen to that. I'm okay. I won't get my feelings hurt. But it's not, there you go. It's not like that, though. Paul says, I wish I could open your eyes. I wish you would have the faith that looks forward. Remember that you are chosen. God has a purpose and a calling for you. And Paul says, you better expect some amazing things for your life. You better look forward to what God is going to do through you. See, this hope is more like an eight-year-old child on Christmas Eve who knows his parents love him, who knows he has something to look forward to, and he knows these gifts are waiting under the tree. Now, does Paul mean that you're going to get you know, a car or a $5,000 check or something like that? No, it's the hope of his calling. See, God wants to do something important with you. So get excited about that. Have hope. Have expectation. And I often feel that way that Paul does about this church. I wish we could see what the potential that we have for God. I wish we could see what God wants to do with us. The staff and I went uh, this last week to a conference in a, a church in Pittsburgh. And in 2000, uh, 2003, they were a church of 50 and that were pretty much bankrupt. And today there are thousands of people in three different locations. Now, is that what I'm saying God's plan is for us? I have no idea. But I do know this. I do know that I don't want my plan and my dreams to be smaller than God's plan and God's dreams. And I want to get excited and I want to have hope and I want to uh, get ready for what God is going to do. I wish we could see the hope of his calling. Now, maybe you're that person in the room today where you're looking for love in all the wrong places, in your money, in your power, in your passion, praise, acceptance. Look, there's nothing out there that is better than God. I wish I could show you what you have in Jesus. So have faith that God loves you and have hope that God has a purpose for you and expect something big. And that's what Paul's telling these people that are going through persecution. They're going through trials. They're having a hard time. He says, have hope. The next thing Paul wants them to see is what are the riches of his glory in the inheritance in the saints. Now, what does that mean? That's kind of a difficult sentence to explore. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Psalms 33, 12 kind of uh, clarifies that for us a little bit. It says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. Now, originally this verse would have talked about the people of Israel, but now after the cross, we are uh, grafted in. We, the church, those of us that aren't Jewish in nature and we're uh, not culturally Jewish either, we are grafted in when we become part of his church and part of his family. We're adopted. So Paul says, I wish that you could see how valuable the inheritance God has in his saints. Paul says, I wish you could see how much you were worth to God. I wish you could see the riches of his inheritance that he has in his saints. 
What's the one thing that God has now that he didn't have before the cross? Us. He paid the price. He bought us. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. That's how much God valued you. He sent his son to die for you. And now we need to understand what we are worth to God. Because we're worth what we were paid for. Jesus Christ laid down his life. Now there are two more things in this passage that Paul was praying the church of Ephesus would see. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19. He said, I want you to see what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. According to his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him up from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Paul said he wanted them to see God's power, that resurrecting power. Hey, God has mighty power. You want proof? He raised his son from the dead. He showed you. He broke the chains of sin and death. And now Jesus sits at God's right hand. And see, God, that's important because God just doesn't have the power to create. But he also has the power to bring things back from the dead. God just doesn't want to create good things in us, but he has the power to make bad things in us good. So what if we really trusted God that the things that you're going through and the mistakes that you've made and the heartbreak that you're feeling, that he could turn it into something good? Romans 8, 28 tells us, we know that for those of us who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, does that mean our life is just going to be great and easy? No. It means those hard times and those times that we don't understand and all the confusion that we have. In those hard times, God can turn that into something good. We see that example of Joseph. You remember that story, right? His brothers sold him into slavery. Now, we've all done things to our siblings, right? I remember uh, when I was a kid, I have a little brother. His name's Dan. And we thought it would be a genius idea to launch rocks with a shovel. So we put a log in the middle, and he would put the rocks down, and I would step on one side, and it would launch those rocks across the, you know, the field. Well, it's his fault. He got too close, okay? <laughs> but man, he got it right between the eyes, bleeding, the stitches. And I've done some things to my brother, but I've never once sold him into slavery. <laughs> but that's what happened here. That's what happened. And in Genesis 50, 20, this is what Joseph was able to say about that whole experience. He tells his brothers, as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So, hey, as a Christian that loves God and is pursuing God, you can look at people that are trying to stab you in the back and you can say, hey, look, I know you mean this for evil. But I believe that God can bring something good out of this. Hey, we have hope that other people don't have. Because God can turn bad things into good. And God can make dead things in us come alive. Paul says, I wish you could see the great and mighty power that God has. That same power he used to resurrect Christ, he can use in your life. And he can sanctify you through that power and resurrect you. There's a, a song that I like. It says, the resurrected king 
is resurrecting me. And that's what my Christian life has been like. You know, the moment you get saved, it doesn't all become flowers and roses. And a lot of people give up because of that. But he's constantly working. There's an old song, another one. It says, he's still working on me. Makes me what I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. Hey, he's been working on us. And that same power that he used to create the stars and the moon, he can work in your life. Philippians 3.10, Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. Resurrect me, O God, right? Turn my dead things into life. Turn my bad into good. Lastly, Paul wishes and prays that they could see Jesus now. I wish you could see Jesus now. We see that in chapter 1, verse 21. It says that Jesus is seated at God's right hand in heaven now. And where is he seated? He's seated far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Hey, sometimes around Easter time, we can begin to feel bad for Jesus, right? Hey, look, that was always the plan. That's why he came. He wasn't assassinated. He laid down his life for you. And it didn't end there. He rose from the grave, and now he sits in authority in heaven right now. That's where he is right now. Paul says, I wish that you could see the certainty and finality of Jesus' rule. All things are under his feet. Isn't that awesome? All the things that are over our head, they're under his feet. He has the victory. And not just in the future, right now. The victory was won when the gravestone rolled away. If you've ever binge-watched a show on Netflix, you know what that is, right? Where you just sit and you kind of waste your life uh, and <laughs> watch a few shows back-to-back. Back. If you ever watch a show like 24 or Lost or something like that, and you get to the end of season six, right? And all of a sudden, Jack Bauer is underwater, and there's no air, and he's holding a bomb, and there's a shark that's poking him with a stick, and it's just this impossible situation. She thought it was funny. It's an impossible situation, right? There's no way he could possibly get out of this. But then you look on the cover of season seven, and there Jack Bauer is, right? Hey, you saw the cover of the next season. You knew everything was going to be okay. You knew the hero survives and that he wins. Well, God gives us a glimpse of the next season. He told John about it. See, we know Jesus rose from the dead, but that wasn't the end. John shows us the cover of season seven in Revelation 5, 11. It says, then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. And what are they saying? They're saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. 
Praise the Lord for that, right? Hey, if you're not somebody that gets excited in church right now, you're going to be real uncomfortable in heaven. Hey, you're not someone that likes to raise your voice down here on this earth. It's going to be a little bit weird for the first couple thousand years up in heaven. You're going to feel a little bit out of place. Because when we get there, we're going to be yelling and screaming, Worthy is the Lamb. Praise the Lord for that. See, that's where Jesus is in the next season. He has the victory. He sits on the throne. And you don't have to worry about how this all ends. Why? Because this isn't the world that we're living for. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Hey, this isn't what it's all about. Hey, your house has a problem with your mortgage. Hey, big deal. We got a home in heaven. Hey, your car down here is breaking down. Oh, it's not that big of a deal because one day we're going to walk the streets of gold. Hey, these things that we think are so big now, just remember that God can make those bad things good. Paul prays for the Christians here that they would have the eyes to see, the hope of his calling, and the worth that he places on his saints, the greatness of God's power, and the finality of Jesus' rule. See, Paul prays for this church of struggling people in Ephesus, that they would see these things. And God wants you to see these things today. I'm sure there's somebody in this room, if you told me what you were going through, I would say I have no idea what you should do in that. But we know the one that does. And we know the one that's in control. And this life is not the end. We're living for the next life to come. See, this is the reason that I'm a pastor. This, this message and a whole, this is why. Because I want people to know that they have hope and that they can trust God and that he has power and that he rules today. And Paul is encouraging these people in Ephesus and he's encouraging us today to keep pushing, to keep pursuing Christ. So when you have one of those bad days, don't give up. Why? Because we have the victory in Christ and he has the power and Jesus still sits on the throne and God values each and every one of us and there is hope in following him. Let's stand to our feet this morning and bow our heads. The worship team's going to come. I don't know what you're struggling with today. I don't know what you're going through today. But as we close our eyes and just take a moment of reflection, I want you to preach this message to your heart. In whatever application whether it's a marriage problem, whether it's a work problem, that I can have hope that God can work through this. God can take this bad thing in me and make it good. God can take this dead relationship that I have with my father that I haven't talked to him in years. He can turn that into an alive relationship. The altar's open this morning. If you've got something specific that you need to just call out to God for today. Say, God, I trust you. God, I need you. You come now as the worship team plays softly.